The party is over for the buy now, pay later industry after the collapse of a highly anticipated merger. Consumer confidence tumbles yet again down eight months in a row and one of Australia's richest people buys an island. It's Wednesday the 13th of July 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Now, you didn't mention it in the headlines there, but there's a story later in the show which is very much for you. It's about the world's biggest ever telescope, something called the James Webb Space Telescope. And yesterday, this morning, and then through to the weekend, NASA is releasing different pictures of, you know, deep parts of space that really go back millions and billions of years. Really, really fascinating. Don't understand it, but wow, it looks really fascinating. Oh, the the pictures are Absolutely incredible. And and I'm glad you mentioned it now because I was this close to adding it into the headlines for today's episode. And I figured that might be a little bit too much self-interest kind of coming in. I, I tend to leave that to you. That's it. That's how I work. That's all right. When we get to that story, which is a bit later in the show though, I'm going to rely very much on you because I've sort of, uh, sort of half understand it, but not really. That puts quite a bit of pressure on me, Sean. Mm. I just, they are just nice pictures of space. And um, oh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll see how I go. All right. That's coming up a little bit later on. So make sure you stick around for that. But also after the show, you've got a chat today with Vivek Dar from Commonwealth Bank about commodities. That's right. We go through all the major commodities and why their prices have come off. Now, not not everything's come off. Coal and gas prices haven't come off, but certainly the others have. And Vivek gives us a rundown of the periodic table, really, and what's happening. Yeah, it does a really good job of it. But on to the main story this morning, Sean, and the party is over for the buy now, pay later sector with the Zipco Sezzel merger abandoned and the valuation of Klarna dropping by about 85%. Yeah, look, the party has probably been over for a while, but I think it's official now. It really makes the founders of Afterpay who agreed to sell their business to Block last year look pretty smart operators because they got a lot of money out of that. Yesterday, Zip said it would end its much-touted merger with ASX-listed rival Sezzle, blaming macroeconomic and market conditions. Zip will have to pay an $11 million US dollar termination fee, which is about 5% of its value, but still its share price jumped 6% yesterday. Also yesterday, Swiss-based and Commonwealth Bank-backed Klarna said it had raised $800 million US dollars, valuing the company at $6.7 billion US dollars. Sounds a lot, but 12 months ago, it was valued at $46 billion. US dollars. Now, block shares, which trade on the ASX and represent much more than just the buy now, pay later business of Afterpay, are down nearly 50% this year. The punch bowl has definitely been taken away. Sean, so paint a, a bit of a picture for us, can you, about why buy now, pay later players, which in the midst of the pandemic were really among the most favoured stocks on the market, why have they tumbled so far? Bad debts is a big part of it, a lack of size, strong competition, even from the tech giants who are getting into the game, greater regulatory scrutiny, fears of recession, higher interest rates, a loss of appetite from investors. All those things have combined to really cull the buy now, pay later sector. You know, Michael, a couple of years ago, we used to talk nonstop about Afterpay and Zipco and Sezzle and how fast their share prices were moving. It's just totally gone to the dogs with many of these shares now down 80 or 90 percent and remember it's hit the ASX particularly hard because there are a lot of buy now pay later operators who basically run their business in the US but are listed on the ASX Zipco is actually an example of that so that's why we're seeing a lot of it in our market 
So is that it then? Surely there's still some sort of future for the sector. Well, yes. Buy now, pay later players still have many customers who love the instalment payment system and certainly many merchants see value in them. But with banks like the Commonwealth Bank and tech giants like Apple creating very similar products, buy now, pay later operators that don't have size will simply struggle to survive. Now, in Block's case, which includes Afterpay, the buy now, pay later business will operate alongside other financial services it's really big, it should be okay. But it is a big fall for these one-time share market darlings and there'll be a bunch that won't be around in a year or two. Okay. How did local markets perform yesterday? The market finished up very, very slightly, four points in fact, to 6,606 points. Utilities, consumer staples and healthcare stocks led the way, while financials also did pretty well. Material stocks fell back. The banks all did well, led by National Australia and Commonwealth. They both jumped more than 1%. Woolworths and Coles both rose by around 2%, while CSL increased 1.6%. Pipeline operator APA Group, healthcare company ResMed, and packaging outfit Emcor all rose more than 2%. BHP was one of the worst. It fell back 1.4%, while diversified miner South32 was down more than 2%. And what about global markets? Well, perhaps the most interesting financial asset at the moment is the US dollar. It's at a two-decade high against its major peers and investors are looking for safe assets. And at the moment, nothing is perceived safer than the greenback. The US dollar is trading close to parity with the euro, and that's at its strongest level against the euro in about 20 years. Pound sterling is also down sharply against the US dollar. It's trading around two-year lows. The Aussie dollar is down to 67.2 US cents. It was last at this level in mid-2020, and that, of course, was after the COVID pandemic hit. In equities, probably the main news comes out of Twitter. Its share price is certainly feeling the effect of Elon Musk's decision to scrap his bid for the company. With a long, drawn-out legal battle now likely, Twitter's share price fell 11% yesterday morning. It's now lost about one-third of its value since April 25. Okay, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese believes that Australia can become a renewables superpower, adding that Russia's invasion of Ukraine shows the need for countries to diversify energy supplies. Mr Albanese said Australia had all the ingredients needed to become a major hydrogen producer and a global exporter, with more than 70 projects in the pipeline, mostly involving green hydrogen. He said while the nature of the challenge and the science wasn't in question, the ability to seize opportunities was certainly the issue. He also gave a shout out to the New South Wales Coalition Government for its efforts in the energy transition. Yeah, he also called on Indo-Pacific leaders to invest in renewables to shore up critical supply chains. It's really the pointy end of this debate. Pacific nations securing supply without relying on China. Mr Albanese is shortly heading to Fiji for talks with leaders of Pacific nations and will call for new regional cooperation on clean technology, manufacturing and supply security. That is very much an effort to ward off the advances of Beijing. Sean, there's been an energy crisis ever since Russia invaded Ukraine early in the year, and one of the industry's global leaders says he doesn't think it's going to end anytime soon. That's right. The executive director of the international energy agency, Faith Birrell, said the energy crisis and costs are likely to worsen as the Northern Hemisphere winter approaches. He called the current situation the first global energy crisis. The solution, Dr. Birrell says, 
is to diversify into renewables and reduce the reliance on China for several parts of the manufacturing process for solar panels. Now, he was speaking at the federal government-organized Sydney Energy Forum, where the US Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, also spoke. She said the high cost of energy highlighted the need to move to clean energy globally. Ms. Granholm said fossil fuels will be important to help develop clean energy sources. At the forum, the US and Australia signed an agreement to cooperate on technologies to help reach net zero. Sean, I mentioned this one at the top of the show. Consumer confidence has fallen for the eighth month in a row, and it's now at its lowest level since the beginning of the pandemic. That's right. The Westpac Melbourne Institute reading fell 3% this month. It's pretty clear consumers are in the doldrums. Just as significant is business confidence, which had held up well. It's also started to fall with the National Australia Bank survey now back below its long run average. Business conditions, as opposed to confidence, have also deteriorated, though only slightly. The drop in both consumer and business confidence likely reflects fears about a local and global recession, higher inflation, think fuel prices and electricity costs, and rising interest rates and mortgage repayments. Sean, I feel like I need to prove to you that I do actually listen when you speak Mm -hmm. because you often talk about consumer confidence as being important to the economy because basically if people are happy, they spend money. Pretty simple. So then what does the latest confidence data say about the outlook for the economy? Well, the lower levels aren't indicative of a collapse in the economy or anything yet. The Reserve Bank is lifting interest rates and hopes to dampen demand and inflation rather than undermine it. And so far, the figures suggest that's kind of what's happening, but it's early days. The figure that many economists talk about is a question asking consumers whether it's a good time to buy a major household item. That index is at its lowest level since the global financial crisis back in 2008. That ain't a good sign. No, certainly not. Sean, Victoria wants people to work from home if possible and wear masks in crowded settings amid rising COVID cases and hospital admissions. Yes, but it stops short of mandating masks in places like schools, early childhood centres and retail settings. Victoria recorded 10,600 new infections yesterday and 16 deaths. The government believes the numbers will climb with the spread of the highly contagious BA4 and BA5 variants. Victorian employers expect record sick leave over the next month or so also. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese received a fourth dose of the COVID vaccine yesterday and the Australian Health Protection Principal Committee has recommended that Australians retest for COVID-19 if they've symptoms 29 days after recovering from an infection. Previously, the recommendation was to wait for 12 weeks. Yeah, that's a pretty big change, actually. There is some good news, though, Sean. The Chief Medical Officer, Paul Kelly, says there's no evidence that the subvariants cause more illness. That's right, but they are certainly more contagious. And just before we leave this topic, Michael, a cruise ship named the Coral Princess with more than 100 COVID-infected crew and passengers was due to dock on the New South Wales south coast last evening. Don't like hearing those stories. No, certainly not. Sean, there are a few smaller corporate stories around this morning. Sure are. Australia's biggest car dealership group, AP Eagers, says its first half profit will be higher than earlier guidance, helped by the sale of the Bill Buckle Auto Group. Its share price jumped more than 3% yesterday. Fever Energy reported that total group sales volumes for the half year through to June rose by about 5%. That was helped by strong diesel sales. Its share price was up 2.6%. Agribusiness Costa Group. There's been a lot of trading in that company over the past couple of days. Now, it did come out and warned about the impact of floods on crops, particularly naval oranges. Its share price 
has been dumped, including 2% yesterday, it came out and said it, it didn't have any information on why the trading was occurring. And finally, Bloomberg is reporting that Canadian group Diane Durham may walk away from its bid for administration services group Link Administration. This has been going on since late last year. There was a higher bid, then a lower bid, then a higher than lower bid. Anyway, on Monday, the board of Link rejected the latest Diane Durham offer, and it seems that the Canadian group might have had enough. Okay. How about this one, Sean? Billionaire Atlassian co-founder Mike Cannon-Brooks and his wife Annie have purchased Dunk Island off Queensland's Mission Beach for $23.65 million. As you do when you're a billionaire. Look, the 147-hectare freehold property was purchased by companies associated with the Cannon-Brooks family, according to media reports. Now, Mr. Cannon-Brooks is Australia's third richest person worth $27.8 billion, so he can afford the island. It has effectively been up for sale for about three years and currently doesn't have a resort on it. It used to, but Cyclone Larry in 2006 and Cyclone Yazzie in 2011 wipe those out. Now, Michael, I reckon an island is the ultimate rich person's toy. <laughs> like you've made it when you've got an island. Like, yeah. like L'Oreal Harris, Lillian Betancourt and Richard Branson, Ted Turner, who's a media tycoon in the US, um, Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, Larry Ellison from Oracle. They're, they all own islands. I reckon you make it when you've got an island. It's a fairly exclusive group, isn't it? It is. You have to be very, very rich. Does it have to be a big island in order to be part of this group? Like, could we just buy a, could you have a dam on your property and just have a little kind of mound of earth in the middle of it? (laughs) You could, you could, but no, you can't do that. Oh, okay. All right. I was just trying to find a way to maybe get into that group. Anyway, moving on to overseas news and the story that we were talking about before, because it is an absolute cracker. US President Joe Biden has unveiled the deepest view yet into our universe's past, taken by NASA's James Webb Space Telescope. It's incredible. Yeah, do I need to say any more? I mean, surely you know more about this than me. I mean, the image I know, it shows a distant patch of sky where we are viewing something which was created just 600 million years after the Big Bang. And I know that the telescope itself, the goal is to study some of the first stars and galaxies that lit up the universe soon after the Big Bang, which is 14 billion years ago. But Michael, i got to say, my knowledge in this area is lacking somewhat. Well, I think... I think the best thing you can do is, is go online and have a look for it. If you just search for, for James Webb, it, it'll pop up straight away. And some people have done a kind of a, a before and after as well, a comparison ah. of what could be seen before using this this telescope and now. And the, the color, the definition is just incredible. And there's a, a quote from NASA that I think kind of sums up that, that this image looks incredible and you just think, this is huge. These are all galaxies that we're looking at. But what they have said is that if you held a grain of sand on the tip of your finger at arm's length, that is the part of the universe you're seeing. So it's still so, so small in, yeah. in the, the grand scheme of things. So I, everything about that story is just is just remarkable. But go online and have a look at the pictures because they'll just they'll, they'll blow your mind. Anyway, moving on. Sean, the fun in the UK continues with 11 candidates now putting up their hand to be Prime Minister when Boris Johnson steps down in August. We've got some fascinating weeks ahead of us. We sure do. A backbench committee has the task of weaning down the list of contenders, and that will happen over coming days. A first ballot of the party's 358 MPs will be held later tonight, Australian time, and anyone who gets fewer than 30 votes will be eliminated. Then there'll be TV debates, etc., etc. The final two will face off in a postal vote 
of the 200,000 members some point during August. The new leader will have two years to run the country with the next election not due until early 2025. That's the plan. Of course, few people around not real fussed on having Boris Johnson remain as Prime Minister for the next couple of months. And finally, Sean, the global population grew by less than 1% in 2020 and 2021, the lowest rates since World War II. In fact, in Europe, the total population actually fell during the coronavirus period, according to a United Nations report. The populations of 61 countries are forecast to decrease by at least 1% between now and 2050, and that's mostly thanks to low fertility rates. And due to better healthcare, societies will age. The total number of people is expected to surpass 8 billion this year, and India is tipped to overtake China as the world's most populous nation. Now, the total population of the globe is forecast to keep growing until about 2080. What I think is interesting, Africa is now the fastest growing region, taking the mantle from Asia a couple of years ago. Okay. Up next, Sean is the Fear and Greed Daily interview, and today you're speaking with Vivek Dar from Commonwealth Bank. That's right. We run through all the key commodities, those that are really close to Australia's heart, things like coal, iron ore, lithium plays, as well as oil and gold, and just talk about why so many of them have come off and why some, coal and gas being the examples, remain pretty expensive. Yeah, plenty happening in that space. So it is a very interesting chat. It's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 13th of July, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget, you can listen to us through your smart speaker. Just say, play the Fear and Greed podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.